At the time, Luke was living around the corner from me in Brooklyn. And uh, like all musicians do, whenever we'd see each other, we would say we should do something together one day. And most of the time that doesn't happen. Um, but this one faded night, we ran into each other. And uh, soon after, even before I got home that night, he had sent me a track that he was working on. I opened it up on the street and was so inspired by his production. And it really like unlocked something inside of me that like the song just came out. And literally by the next day, I, uh, I sent him lyrics and melody. And we were both kind of like, oh damn, like this is something special. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll hear how two musicians turned a chance meeting into an amazing collaboration literally overnight. And we'll learn how that collaboration turned into something great. Hi there, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. And this week, we are talking about the ideas behind the band Great Good Fine OK. And we'll speak with John Sandler, the band's songwriter and vocalist, and find out the secret behind the duo's success. Our interviewer is Gray Global Planning Director Holly Williams who spoke to John on a Microsoft Teams call from their homes about how he and his bandmate, Luke Molman, wrote their first song, You're the One for Me, and how that momentum carried them to where they are today. In 2019, they completed a sold-out six-city tour of China and performed at Firefly and Bunbury Music Festivals. Their single, Take It or Leave It, surpassed 25 million plays on Spotify, and at the beginning of this year, they released a track called 2020. This is John Sandler. Before that, um, I had written all my songs, hundreds of songs by myself. Um, I play guitar and a little bit of piano. And so I would write the music and the lyrics and the melody and everything. And when I started this band uh, with my buddy Dominic, you know, there were other members in it who would uh, give their input and especially Dominic with some production ideas and this and that. But I basically wrote all the songs myself. Um, And this was the first time in my life that I was given the opportunity to do what's called top lining, um, which is funny to say, because now I've done that a million times. But that was the first time that someone had sent me music to just write lyrics and melodies on top of. And I realized really quickly that um, that that's what I was best at. And trying to do everything myself was actually um, hurting my ability to do what I do best the best. Um, and so when I could just focus on the lyrics and the melody, it like, let me write this love song that it, it, it's, it's funny the way I, I kind of remember it. it was almost as though it was like this love song that like couldn't get out in the way I was writing before. And finally I had like a way to do it because I wasn't thinking about the music. I just accepted that the music is what it is. So now I can just like concentrate on this feeling and these melodies that I'm thinking of. Um, and obviously when I was doing it, I wasn't thinking about it this much in retrospect, I can talk about how crazy it is, but, um, then yeah, it just happened really quickly. And I wrote this thing. And, um, like I said, the next day we were kind of like, wow, this is really cool. And we got together and worked on a little more. Um, 
And we were like, is this good? And so we sent it to some other people who were like, yes, this is very good and crazy. Um, and they sent it to some other people and it just created this momentum around one song where, you know, we had no intention of starting a band. Uh, we were both busy doing our own things. I was signed to an independent record label at the time. He was doing his thing. Uh, but we sent it around and quickly before we even released the song had accumulated a manager, a lawyer, um, <laughs> there was a record label interest. Like we had never played a show. This song wasn't even out yet. And literally there was more momentum than either of us had felt in any musical project we had done prior. Uh, so it was just really crazy. Oh, wow. Do you ever talk about what the secret ingredients between you two is? Oh, yeah. And, and like, yeah, we've thought about this a lot. And a lot of people ask us about that. Um, and I think what it is, is him and I are literally opposites. Um, I'm like this emotional lyric writer, um, hard on my sleeve kind of guy. And he's this very um, mathematic producer, genius, um, tech, technical guy he does like, besides music, he also does um, graphic animation. And just like, a brain that is so far from mine that I can't even imagine doing the things he does and he can't imagine doing the things I do. And so it's like, we're both really good at these two parts that like if, if come together, create like one perfect like songwriter, you know, um, and, and song maker, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, I was thinking about it a little today, how all the like greatest things like happen from like a team, like a duo, like the Apple story. And like, even I'm watching like the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen thing on ESPN, you know, the, uh, the last dance. And there's so many duos in history. And I think it's just that, that you, they, you become like the yin to the yang and you complement each other's skills. And I think Luke and I do that, um, like to a, an extreme uh, degree. All uh, right. Yeah, you've got the balance right, rather than like just being opposite forces that combust. Yeah, I'm not, because a lot of times there's a lot of bands I know where everyone wants to contribute with the lyrics. Everybody wants an input with the production. And you end up with a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of ideas get watered down. And so for us, I, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, he has a lot to say about my lyrics and melodies and stuff, and I have something to say about his production, but for the most part, we kind of trust each other to do these things independently that we both love and do best, and they come together, and neither of us are interested in um, getting tangled up in the other person's uh, thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. You hear all those sorts of stories of two things coming together and serendipitously just kind of creating themselves overnight. Has the journey evolved since that first song? Has it always been the melding of two minds just quickly coming together? Right. So, yeah, I mean, so the next few songs we did after that one, obviously, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we tried to just do the exact same thing. And it was successful. Um, we had another song called Not Going Home, which was uh, really, really well received. And a bunch after that. Um, and it was just basically him creating these tracks and then me taking them. We tried to um, emulate that process going forward and it was very successful. Um, I would say the way it's evolved over the years is just us um, creating things more in the same room as being separate. Um, we've uh, done a bunch of trips where him and I'll go and rent a cabin in the Adirondacks and write together. 
And just being able to be in the same room and bounce ideas off each other in real time, which is something we weren't doing quite as much in the beginning, has been um, great and actually adds to uh, the thing that we're already doing as far as both doing our own thing. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, Luke really has to love what I do because after I write something, it takes him about a billion hours to finish producing it. So if we can really get excited about something together in the moment, it saves a lot of time. Um, we've also, in recent years, started collaborating with other people more. We used to do everything just the two of us. And now we've been bringing in other writers and other musicians to contribute. And that's been amazing because really in the same way as Luke and I working together kind of unlock things in both of us, bringing other people in does that even more. And somebody else could take a, um, a lyric idea that I have and because of the life they've lived and the filter they're looking through, um, kind of interpret it a different way and sort of add a line or a melody that I wouldn't have thought of. Um, and same when Luke works with other producers. So yeah, I mean, it's funny. It, it all goes back to like um, realizing how important collaboration is. Um, that's like the one of the biggest things I've learned in the past seven years is that collaboration is the way greatness is uh, created. Um, and, you know, sure, there are people who have done great things all by themselves, but I think it's probably really uh, few and far between. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, so, it's so awesome and interesting that adding more people into the mix can kind of keep the magic going. What bumps in the road have you hit and how did you sort of move past, get past them? Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of bumps that I think every artist goes through, which is this, that, you know, when we started, our band kind of went from zero to 60 and it was really exciting. And it's easy when you're in that to think it'll just keep going up and up and up. But there are ebbs and flows. And, um, you know, there are certain times where things feel like they're plateauing or you really want an opportunity and you don't get it or, you know, things like that, that you just go through and you learn that all you need uh, is one yes to every hundred no's. But when you're in it, it's those, uh, those 99 no's um, can feel really bad and make you question everything. But we've been at it long enough that um, we realize that if we just keep writing great songs, that's pretty much the only thing we have control over. And luckily we have a great team. We have a great manager who's thinking about us and a great booking agent. And so at a certain point, we just have to trust that those people are doing their jobs and we're doing our jobs. And like I said, all you need is like a few huge wins in a, in a career, especially if you're a musician to, you know, continue doing this thing that we love. So your philosophy is just like heads down, focus on what we do best and let everybody else figure out the rest of it for us. Um, well, <laughs> sort of, sort of half that, because I certainly don't rely on anybody else to figure it out. You know, we have to also, these days, um, we, the artists also have to think about all the business stuff. And the more we can do uh, to help ourselves, uh, the better, and the more chance we have to succeed. But um, I think the bands that do the best are the ones where it's like the whole team uh, with synergy and everybody's working so that when you have the big song that does well or when you get the big sync or the big tour, you're already like, um, you know, on the ground running and everybody can just get, you know, get into it and everybody's already going. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about like what you guys were doing when this first started and then how it kind of built momentum and grew into its own thing because you know, you were saying we weren't looking to work with one another. We both had our own things going on. How did you 
How did you decide to make it a, a thing? Well, you know, when you are an artist, you quickly realize that you have to gravitate towards whatever the thing is that is getting the most success, especially if it's financial success. Because while I felt like I was doing pretty good, um, I really wasn't making any money. And, you know, it's kind of like if you can start making money as a band or as an any artist, it's kind of like winning the lottery. So when we started getting record deal uh, offers and publishing deal offers and other things that came with money, you just sort of have to go in that direction. So both of us really just put on pause everything else that we were doing and jumped in headfirst to this band. Are there moments in that journey that felt like they took a lot of courage? Um, I mean, so <laughs> I think the courage happened when I was about uh, 18 and realized that I wanted to become a professional musician, you know? Um, I think anybody who decides to go all in and become an artist is extremely brave because- Sorry, mom, I'm there not is going no to college and becoming an accountant. Yeah, well, <laughs> Well, I didn't go that far. I did go to college, but um, but there's no guarantee that you're ever going to make money. There's no guarantee you're ever going to have the success you dream of. And I was sort of a little bit delusional before this band and just thinking everything was going to be great. I was confident about my ability and where this was going before I had any reason to be confident about it. Um, you know, I was playing shows all over the city and writing songs and doing fine in my own little world. But really, like I said, I had no reason to believe this would ever turn into something that could be my full-time job and pay the bills. And so, yeah, both Luke and I, this happened to us a little later in life. Um, I was uh, about 30 when this band started. And so none of this stuff, was, it wasn't lost on us how miraculous it was what was happening with this band. It sounds like part of the fuel in this has been your supporters that sort of saw something special in you guys really early on and decided to invest in you guys and propel that forward. What do you think it was that they saw in your idea that made it feel special? I think they, uh, I think they saw honesty in the things I was writing. I think they saw a really special partnership between Luke and I and a really um, crazy talent in Luke's production, uh, making music that was cleaner and in my opinion, better than a lot of things out there at the time. Um, and just the combination of that technical um, awesomeness mixed with my sort of emotional lyric sensibility, I think just created something that was both new and kind of exactly what was popular right when we came out. Um, it was during that uh, blog uh, bubble where Hype Machine was a big thing and we were sort of the perfect thing um, to get into that right in the tail end where, um, maybe not the tail end, there were a couple more years once we started that that was a big thing. It's not a big thing anymore, which is why I'm saying that, but it was like right then the thing we were doing was perfectly relevant and also really good. So um, we were lucky enough to pretty soon get on some really cool tours opening for people that had big fan bases. 
And that was that. I mean, once we started touring, we gained a really awesome loyal fan base really quickly. Um, before Spotify was like the uh, juggernaut that it is today, they showed us a lot of love and put our songs on playlists. So um, we gained a lot of fans that way. And yeah, it just seemed like we, we got really lucky with like getting in on these things um, a little bit before everything became oversaturated. Right. I want to talk a little bit about that, but can we go back to you talking about sort of getting in on a moment that was relevant, that people wanted and that was sort of, you know, of the time. How intentional was that in what you guys were creating? So that's a good question. And it wasn't intentional because I didn't listen to that music at all. Um, yeah, I'm talking about like the bands that were popular at the time were like Passion Pit and MGMT and, um, you know, bands like that. And the, I, that, that really wasn't the music I was into. And I don't really think that's um, where Luke was getting his inspiration either. It just so happened that the influences that I think we both were playing from, which was kind of like a nostalgic sort of 80s thing, I was super um, inspired by Michael Jackson style, uh, lyric, melody kind of stuff. He was really inspired by Steely Dan sort of cleanness kind of production and also that kind of like 80s R&D thing. And I just think like all of our influences combined, which made the sound that Great Goodbye Okay was, happened to also line up with what was popular at the time in a really cool way. Right. It's so... When I have, we have a lot of, like, you know, we've done a bunch of these podcasts now, and it's so interesting to to hear how much sort of like happenstance has to do with people capitalizing on a chance meeting or a chance sharing of a song or a sort of chance moment in time that all these things kind of just collided in the perfect way at the perfect moment. Yeah, and it is so true that like the greatest things happen when you're like least expecting them, when you're not looking for it, you know. Yeah, but it's not all happenstance, right? Part of it is knowing then how to capitalize that on that and turn it into something that is more than just a, a nugget or an embryo of an idea. Totally. So it makes me think of like the Oprah thing where like luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Um, right. Which I think is right. exactly true. You know, yeah. you could say that the whole thing was lucky, but it wasn't. Like we had both gotten to a place where we could capitalize on that random meeting. Yeah. And it sounds like from from what you were sort of just touching on that since then there were a lot of sort of fortuitous moments that you guys were able to capitalize on, whether it was getting in early with Spotify or any of the other moments. Like, can you talk a little bit about how those opportunities helped the idea develop? Um, well, before Spotify became the type of thing that was like the end all be all for bands and you kind of check your numbers every day, um, it was just something out there, but people weren't that concerned with it. So it wasn't influencing us, um, getting on those things. Of course, you know, getting number one on Hype Machine twice, uh, and that kind of thing motivated us, made us feel like we were doing something good that people liked and, uh, got us excited, but none of it. Uh, influence the creative process, really. You know, we weren't like, ooh, it's working, so let's do something that's like even more like what the kids like right now. You know, we were just, I think part of what made our thing cool is we were never that interested in what other people wanted to hear. We were just making music that we both love. Right, right. Any moments on that journey that you've like thought about chucking in the towel or? 
starting um, afresh on something else? Not really, not yet, because it's still so exciting. You know, we still go on tours and we're still growing. We're still not nearly as big as I want us to be as far as the amount of people we can bring to a show. I mean, our fan bases are great and big, but it's like every time we tour, there's uh, a little bit more people and a little bit more excitement and people, more people are becoming super fans that were casual fans before and, you know, writing us amazing things on social media and getting tattoos of our album covers and that kind of thing. So it's like people ask like, oh, are you sick of playing this song every night? And it's like, no, it's like still exciting every night to have this band. And um, we still feel so lucky that we, both of us can like pretty much do this full time. So even, so even when I said, you know, there was a lot of times where we want opportunities that we don't get or, um, any number of things that's disappointing, it's never so disappointing that we give up, you know, or that we even think about it because we both just realize that 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 happens and that's life. Yeah. You know? So how does today's kind of cultural environment, you know, we're recording this halfway through or, you know, mid-pandemic, um, how is that affecting your mojo and momentum that you guys have? You sort of seem to be riding the wave pretty well right now, but forced into a slower period. Yeah, I mean, some days it's hard to motivate, like I think with any profession right now. Um, part of why I created this life for myself is because it's important for me to tour for my sanity and important for me that I don't have such a routine. I like when I don't know what the email is going to be that comes in and where I'm going to end up or who I'm going to be writing with. Or like, I like those elements of surprise. That's like the kind of life I want. So the past couple months where it really has been a lot of like the same every day um, is a little bit tough, but like I said, I can still write and I can still record. And I have a feeling by the time I get used to it, this will all be over. So I'm not too concerned. Yeah. I kind of like the the slower pace a little bit myself too. Um, So you guys like listening to you speak, it's, it sounds like one sort of, joyful journey where momentum is built and you've had lots of successes. I think like, you know, in any journey, there's obviously roadblocks and stumbling blocks and moments of, you know, failure that hopefully you're able to sort of like pick yourself back up from and grow from. Can you talk a little bit about one of your failures, um, big or small, that you learned something from or that helped you know, right. shape the idea or change direction? So like I touched on uh, before, even when we don't, you know, succeed in something that we were going for, you know, we want to get a, a tour that we don't get, or we're hoping a song will get used for something and it doesn't, or we want a feature to be on a song and it, and it doesn't happen and it falls through. And those things can be so frustrating, but I don't necessarily consider any of them failures. Um, maybe there are other professions where the word failure can apply better because I just think we've both been around the block enough times to know that you don't know whether something bad is actually bad or in the long run going to be a good thing, you know? So I really consider these times and don't get me wrong. Like I'm a very positive person and I'm very optimistic, but this is not an easy journey and it's a hustle. And there are definitely days where I'm like, what am I doing? But any of the specific things that happen that are annoying or angering or whatever, I consider stepping stones more than failures. Um, so, you know, 
I would love to come up with one for you, but I can't even really, I can't even really think of something that I can, like before this band, um, I did a lot of odd jobs and um, I got fired a lot from a million different jobs because I was not, uh, I was just not made to like work for someone or have a boss. And I was just not a good employee at a lot of things I tried. Um, even like I did catering for a long time and I got yelled at all the time because I was just like in my own world thinking about music and songs and that kind of stuff. And so my point is like, I would get fired and I would get disciplined, but thank God I did because then it brought me to this, you know what I mean? So, you know, I can't even really consider those things failures. Um, and I'm lucky because I'm sure there are people who could list 10 things that they consider failures, but I decided early on to sort of pursue my dream. And when you do that, even when bad things happen, you're still pursuing your dream. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a really lovely perspective on what can sometimes any creative journey can be, you know, filled with ups and downs and it can be easy to sort of dwell on the the downs as a failure, but it's a, it's a, that's a nice perspective on yeah there's like a lot of days where things don't go our way but that's okay because like i said all you need are a couple days to go your way and then like things are great and at the end of the day i get to write songs for a living so like who am i to complain you know yeah well that's good advice because i'm gonna i want to ask you about advice that you've received but i think you've just kind of like given me some good advice to take away from this conversation um but you know, I'm sure you've received lots of advice along the way. What's some, some that's stuck that you really live by or appreciate? Hmm. Um, one thing that I've heard over the years, a lot of people say is like, if you want to do something or be something like, just do it, just start doing it. If you want to be a filmmaker, just go make a film. If you want to be a songwriter, start writing, you know, start doing, um, just do it. Yeah, just do it. And I kind of learned the hard way because I actually went to college for film. And um, I got out and I actually worked in the film industry for a little while and realized really quickly that school didn't do anything. And I would have been way better off just doing it instead of going to college for that. Um, if I wanted to write a script, I should have just written a script. If I wanted to work in production, I should have just done that. Because when I started working in film, I ended up with people who were doing that, who, um, you know, had a leg up on me because they didn't waste those years. They're just doing it. Um, I, I obviously I don't regret going to college. It was great in a million other ways, but um, I kind of think of that. Like I was sort of, you know, the reason why I went to school for film, even knowing that I wanted to be a musician, because I, I was kind of like, I already know I can write songs. I'm already doing this. So I'll go to school for something else and learn something else. But in retrospect, um, who knows what would have happened if I just started pursuing my music career then um, instead of that, you know what I mean? So uh, I forgot what the question was, but <laughs> <laughs> no, the question was about the question was about advice. But uh, I think like you're kind of just oh, just, just doing it, just right? Do just it doing it, yeah, yeah, See yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah, just do it. But you know what? Like, who knows? Who knows how college shaped going to college for um, film shaped your perspective? Well, and it's funny because you can always yeah, it's funny because you can always look back and justify why things happen. Like, for example, in college, I met. Um, the guy who became my drummer in my band after college, and he's one of my best friends. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have met this person and then this person and whatever. And you can always like trace back and say like, everything I did got me to this point. Um, but you know, who knows what doing different things would have gotten me to, but yeah, like I don't regret anything cause I'm really happy where I'm at now and it wouldn't have been the same, but, um, 
yeah. looking back is, is sort of like an interesting thing to think about. If you could go back to day one, what, what would you have done differently? Oh, that's a toughie. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have assumed that things would just keep being great. And I would have taken more action to sort of make sure we capitalized on our opportunities when we were the hottest band. And who knows? I mean, I don't know if anything would have been different if I had that mentality or if it just would have been more stressful. Um, I don't know if anything would have been different, but I do realize now in retrospect how lucky that was that for a split second, our band had a really strong spotlight. And I just wonder how we could have monopolized on that more um, at the time. Uh, we also haven't been the greatest at being social media um, personalities. Uh, so that's something I wish we were doing more. Actually, during this pandemic, every week I go on and I play songs um, every Tuesday night for our fans on guitar. Oh, that's cool. And they love it and it's great and it's fun. And I've never done that before. Three weeks ago is the first time I've ever played a Great Good Final Case song alone on the guitar. And it's kind of like, why in the world wasn't I doing that, you know? <laughs> Why wasn't? So it's like things like that, where it's like, I wish we were making more content and being more interactive with our fans. Uh, but I think that's easy to say in retrospect, you know? Because we also have lives with, you know, <laughs> issues and families and friends and girlfriends and whatever that we're dealing with, so. No, it's interesting your point about the, the pandemic and kind of like a moment of, you know, what some might say adversity kind of leading to... Why, 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 why aren't I always doing this moment, sort of unlocking yeah, yeah. something cool? Well, what about 2020? Because yeah. it's obviously an interesting <laughs> year. I was really optimistic about 2020. Um, that song is all about, let's all see more clearly in 2020. Let's all gain clarity. Let's cut out the things that, you know, are making us uh, unhappy. And this was... And we released that song uh, on New Year's Eve, the, the, the day after, I think, January 1st, right before all this stuff happened. And so now it's like 2020, like, you can get out of here. Like, <laughs> it definitely would have been a different song if we knew what was coming. We need to write the sequel um, to it. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, that song was cool. And, like, it really did come from a real place of feeling nostalgic and, like, holy cow, it's 2020. Like, I remember the year 2000 like it was yesterday and thinking about everything that's happened in the past 20 years and um, just feeling like this is a good time. We loved like the metaphor of seeing in 2020, a 2020 vision um, and that it would be great, especially like in the political climate, if everybody could just like start seeing things a little bit from more what they are, what it is. And uh, so that's, that's kind of where that song was coming from. Have you reflected much on that song since? And you know, like all of our songs, uh, it means something to us and um, it definitely meant something because it was 2020 and it's a song called 2020. Now it like, I might never want to play it again, but. Uh. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. That was great. Now, I love what John said about artists being brave. Did you get to talk to him about where he sees the band going in the future? Yeah, a little bit. Um, honestly, I think those guys are just having so much fun collaborating. They've kind of got this, synergy going on right now. So really more of him and Luke writing and touring. Yeah, sounds good. 
So how can people check out more about Great Good Fine Okay? Yeah, the best way is to head over to their Spotify or go to greatgoodfineok.com or their Instagram and Twitter are both the same as well, Great Good Fine Okay. All right, thanks, Holly. And that does it for us this week. If you'd like to hear how other creative thinkers, company founders, and technology innovators thought up their ideas, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our newly opened email inbox, simply podcasts at gray.com. And lastly, but most importantly, tell a friend. It really helps the show. Thanks for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petroulis, produced by Joey Scarillo, Danielle Hunt, and John Dillon. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Gramercy Park Studios. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, Lydia Dizon, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.